Hello and welcome back to the Pelcast podcast with myself, David Carabini, Jack McArdle and Bill Gain. It's another week where we have a full house, lads. How are we getting on? Alright. Jack, how are you? Could be better. Could be worse. Yeah, I've Yeah. Can't really complain, to be honest with you. Glad to hear. It. Well, I suppose we we can really complain because out of oh, the I, three I, of I us, definitely can. Yeah, but that one. <laughs> out of the three of us, not one of our teams won at the weekend. I know Bill is really a Man United fan, but he's a, an adopted Cork fan when it comes to talking about the League of Ireland. A quick one through the results. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, Cork lost two one to Bowes, and then every other game in the top flight was a draw. Every game in the first division was a no way win. It was a bit of a mad weekend, all right, wasn't it? Yeah, to be fair, like, I'm just saying, for um, that lone town, Longford, I predicted that lone win. It's probably my finest prediction of the week. But, um, no, yeah, it was mad, it was mad all right. Delighted at Cork loss, to be honest with you. Need to, need to put them down the stepping stone away, but, like, they're going to be they're gonna be minutes this year yet again. Um, yeah, but that's said about them, they're off the battle, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the highlights of every game. I was obviously at the draw of the match. Um, I mean, Jack, what, what happened with the, the penalty with Dundalk and UCD? Because it, it looked as though the referee gave a penalty against someone in the wall for something that happened about five yards away from the wall. Um, to be honest with you, I saw the free kick itself. I didn't really get a good view of the penalty. It was, it was, to be honest, I think we were scoring from the set piece either way if we didn't even get given the penalty. Because I think... Greg Slogger was free whatever way we passed it in I think was it Greg Slogger that got tackled I can't even remember I only watched it about an hour ago as well I think Greg Slogger got tackled in the box or it might have been might have been even John Martin I but, think it was John Martin yeah. yeah it was John Martin Greg Slogger making the wrong I think we would have scored either way I don't know who the referee booked but I think did you not say he booked the wrong person yeah he booked someone in the wall yeah, but there was no complaints about that at the time so it's weird yeah, it, was very, protested yeah. It. Yeah, it was very odd but um, yeah I mean look Cork losing two one at home. They they're back in the big time and they they got a big time loss against Bowes. I mean, what was the goalkeeper thinking for that goal, huh? Yeah, what do you make of that? Uh look, the worst thing about that, even Cork not winning, it's Bowes winning. Um, but like I see, I, I posted online, and it actually got a uh, decent traction. But I see, I've seen an awful lot of people jumping on the throat to that keeper, Toby Oluwami. Um, he's nineteen, ball from the Celtic Academy. He was. It was basically his first game of senior football. He played a few in preseason, but he was injured, and I wouldn't count the Scottish Low League as necessarily um senior football, men's football. So I think he didn't do great for the goal, and it was a mistake. But like people have to be patient with him. He was he was an England under twenty captain. Um, nights like this are normal for young keepers. Um, if you want to revert back to my Premier League knowledge, like the DA when he first came, like I. When you're buying a goalkeeper, I think you saw with Sam Long at the start of the year with Jordan maybe last year too, when you're getting a goalkeeper in at 19 years of age, you can't expect the finished article and you can expect nights like this to happen. But I think long term, he won't be a problem for um, the club. I think he'll actually be quite a good keeper in the league. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, I'm, I'm looking at it from a... And here, I'll put on record. He was the better of the two keepers on the night. James Talbot oh, walking, yeah. walking Joe. Yeah, Talbot had a few hairy moments, all right, and he was at fault for the, the Cork goal. But, I mean, from my point of view, I mean, the keeper has to do a lot better. But if I'm yeah. a coach looking at that, I'm looking at my back three, thinking how has Jordan Flores picked the ball up on the left wing and managed to carry it a good 20 yards before having a shot from 20 yards out. Like, that's absolutely shocking. It's absolutely terrible to be able to concede a goal from that situation. The keeper has to do a lot better. He's very, very poor. It's senior football. I don't care if he's a young fella. He has to do a lot better. But, my God, the defending was shocking. Especially Jordan Flowers letting him have a shot from there, knowing what he can do. Yeah, exactly. He has scored a good few. It's not like he never scored a long shot in the league either, or never scored a good goal. I think so, to yeah. be fair. Like, the ball had some... It had, like, a weird spin. It was such a weird shot. Like, the judge... I'm not a goalkeeper. I never played in there or anything, but... It did look a bit weird. Obviously, the keeper should have been doing a lot better, I think, for still low. I think, like, commentary said something like there was a spin on it beforehand once it came in front of him. It was it was just such a weird goal in general. Yeah. No, I mean, you, as you said, David, like, there, there's three relatively experienced players in front of it. You had the Cork City captain, Keen Coleman, who's about 24, 25 years of age. He's been around the paths, Limerick. 
You've Ali Gilchrist, who won the League of Shells, who won the First Division last year at Cork. And you've Josh Holden, who is a young player for Cork, but he's 21 years of age. So there should be enough experience in that back line to protect the keeper a bit more on what it was his first professional start in football. So, look, I'm going to give him a pass for that night. Again, if he does it in a row, obviously he'll be dropped, but look, he won't be a problem. Just a question. I wasn't watching the game, obviously, because I was uh, in the off match. Was how that was that was that a justified result for both? Like they did it out the beaches, or like Cork was it unlucky? Yeah, look, look, I was watching it because I was, was traveling to Cork um for half of it, but um Cork were off in the first half, but they came back into it for the last say twenty thirty minutes, and again they could have fucking gotten a draw in the end because ball cleared off the line and two close save. But look, I wasn't impressed with Bowles. And I was still maintain the fact that I was not impressed with Bowles. And I, I just don't think that Bowles will get Europe even regardless of what happened in Cork. I predict the Cork wouldn't get Europe too, so I don't I don't think both teams will um trouble Europe next this year. Fair enough. Yeah, though. that's fair. I mean I am I'm just looking at the stats here and like Bowles eleven shots to, to Cork's seven, six on target to four, sixty forty possession. I mean the I'd say two one probably the just about based on the stats, but again, like I, I only saw the highlights. And the highlights made it look as though it was a, a like a very even game because because of the last 10, 15 minutes where Cork just absolutely pummeled Bowes. But I mean, look, it's it's a result for Bowes. Put some early front runners, considering everyone else drew, but it's um it puts it into a to put it into context. I mean, that's Bowes beating the team that have literally the. At the start of the season, they're technically the lowest ranked team in the country or in the in the league because of the fact that they've just come up from from the first division. So, I mean, we'll move on from from Cork and move on to my lads draw the away the shells a nil all draw. Apparently, we were dominated. I mean, I was at the game. I didn't at no stage in that game did I feel that we were being dominated at all. I know people have pointed the fact that Maddie Smith obviously had the worst miss I've ever seen in my life. Like I've I've literally I've, I've sat I've sat over the weekend and just thought to myself I've never seen I've never been at a game where someone has had a miss like that. It was honestly incredible. It was six yards out, open goal. Everyone's seen it at this stage. I don't know how he's missed. How like how do you put a wide from that situation? I don't understand. The only reason I saw it is because you put it up on the fucking um, the pass off Twitter. That's the only reason I actually saw it at the time because I was out. But like. To say that, but to be fair though, from the highlights, I know you are going to get out of it tonight, but from the highlights that I watched, it didn't really give you any justice, as such as you're saying to me. Like, the only chance he's really had in them highlights was what did Connor, did Connor Kaelin or Connor Kaelin? Connor Kaelin, yeah, Connor Kaelin. I'm looking at it right in front of me now, head of straight to keep, and then uh, Freddie Dreyer for Misty. Probably, probably, was that your best chance to be in the Freddie Dreyer per shot? Yeah, well, that's absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying that we deserve to win the game or that we that we were the better team. We weren't. There's no no debate about that. Shells were the better team. But I just think that the term domination for me would be a team that's for from minute one to minute 90 is all over the opposition. Whereas, like, when you look at the, the stats from the, the Shells match or Shells draw or whatever, Shells had 11 shots, zero on target, right? They hit the post from a shot from 30 yards out. They hit the crossbar from Paddy Barrett's header, which was literally the exact same chance that Conor Keely hit straight at the goalkeeper. You know, there was a bar the Maddie Smith open goal. I didn't. I don't think I saw Colin McCabe make a save actually in in the entire game. Even like shots gone wide or having to come out to catch a cross or anything like that. They they were limited severely to shots from distance, and I never actually felt troubled. Even obviously the. The open goal miss was was the only time, but so I, we, I was stood in the away end, and I I actually felt for the first twenty minutes, I I actually I'd never been that close to the game at Talca Park where everything was in the one end, and that was we were attacking for the first twenty minutes. Both or shells had two corners in the entire game they, to draw the seventh. I I felt as though we could have gotten a win out of that game easily, but I mean, look, you know. We're under no no illusions. We are going to be in a relegation battle this season with Trotter. There's no no two ways about it. A nil all draw away from home on the opening day of the season against a team that's going to be probably mid table or challenging for the the bottom European spot. I'll take that all day, hundred percent. But I mean, the term domination. Point, like, 
Yeah, the term domination just makes no sense in that situation. But can I just say, actually, before we move on, the state of the Talca Park pitch, the first game of the season, absolutely embarrassing from the from the groundsman, from whoever runs that, that club. It was absolutely in bits. The fact that they had to fill in divots in the pitch before kickoff on the first game of the season is just awful. And it's something that they need to look at because that that's that's just terrible. Yeah, it's mad, right? You see no one giving out about that though either. Like, but you see people giving out pointing fingers with Dundalk and Derry for having a plastic pitch, which isn't the greatest, but at least you're not at least the pitch isn't dug up like Yeah, but I mean a, a grounds and worth of bollocks is, is gonna have that. Like I've seen better pitches at Leinster Senior League. I've seen to be honest with you, I've seen better pitches that I've played on in division three football. Like and it's just it's sad to look at because Talca Park is such a historic ground in this country that's seen so many great games and so many big games, but They've just let it fall apart. Bill, what do you think? Yeah, look, um, I saw the miss, and I think, okay, it's a bad miss, but look, all top players on the circuit have the bad miss, and we always say, you know, oh, I will score that, but like, it happens, like, if you, I suppose if you could put up the XG on it, it's probably 0. 0.7 or 8, like, it's still not even 0. 0.9. He's kind of fall. I think the attempt was worse than the actual miss, if you understand me. Like, the way he missed yeah. it was bad. But, like, if you look at it, I'm watching here again, like, the defender was backtracking. He was kind of off balance. I can understand why he missed it. He shouldn't have missed it, obviously. But, look, I don't think it's um an issue long-term. Matthew Smith was on their top, was the top player last season. And then the topic would... of um, sh- sh- shots and target and, you know, corners. Can you dominate a match without having a shot and target and only having two corners? And, if that, of course, you can. So, I think... um. And that's even seen. I don't even think it was overstated enough that um the dominant. I think that was more Damien Duff, who was obviously wanting to pick up his team, being the character he is. But um, look, I think um that was a good point for draw. Anyway. Did any of you see the thing on Twitter? All right, it was after the miss itself, and someone like quote tweeted some some typical um Irish Premier League fan quote tweeted saying it's something about the League of Ireland. That's why we yeah. go watch it or something. Yes, this you see it's the biggest level. The biggest, I'm trying to actually find it here just to pull it up in front of me, but I can't actually find it now. Was it on our tweet itself or was it somewhere else? I don't know. No, it was, so it was, a, it was someone else. But it was basically, yeah, I know the one that you're talking about. You said yeah. no, no amount of people in the stands or money invested is going to improve this league. And it's just like, you know, Amanda Torres. Just, I mean, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, he's a five time Ballon d'Or winner, put one over against Sheffield United from from two yards out. You know, right. these things happen. They that's, happen. That's all what I'm the saying. Time. It happens, like. Oh no, absolutely! I know. I just think it it happens. It doesn't happen often. Is the point that I'm making. So when it happens, you just have to enjoy it because it was just. I mean, if it was Freddie Draper or Dale Rooney doing at the other end, I'd be fucking tearing into them. But the fact that it happened against my team, I mean, it was just fantastic. It was just over the moon. It was one of those moments where you're like, "Oh, this is going in, isn't it?" Like I don't know what Ben Curtis was doing on the halfway line, but. When he when he tried to just volley it out to the left side, but you know Sean Boyd, I thought would have went himself. Instead, he tried to square it, and I, I mean, I was so happy to see it go wide. I could not believe it. But um, we'll move on anyway. We've got obviously two more games in the Premier Division. We'll just quickly run through the results as well in the First Division, then move on to our main topic today, which is um, so Pats and Derry won all. Again, I mean, I thought Derry would have won that game, but I'm not surprised to see Pats get a result. It was. You know, a, a good a good result for both teams. I think Derry going away to a Dublin team getting a draw, Pat's getting a draw against Derry. I mean, if you're going into that game at the start, I think a draw is a good result for both sides in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, I, I did Look, see. All I have to say in the matter is that I predicted a one on draw. It was a one on draw. That's all. Yes, yeah, that was that was luck like. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great show to be fair. But I mean, yeah. did you see the highlights of the game at all? Yeah, the two, two of the probably weirdest goals I've ever seen in the match. Yeah, like the first goal, um, by by Jordan McInnes, it was just such, like it was nearly like he scored with like a slide tackle, wasn't it, or something like that? It yeah, mad. it was weird because he did so well. He, he dribbled the ball around the the defense and he slide tackled the ball and chipped the keeper. And at the same time, it was really weird looking. Yeah, yeah, and then the then the Joe Redmond goal, it looked kind of like, it looked like a handball, it didn't look like, the commentator said he got his foot up first, and it was like, 
two feet were planted on the ground. I'm nearly certain. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, it was a weird one, all right. Yeah, but I mean, look, Joe Redmond, another former draft player, doing well. So, uh, you know, Bill, did you watch the highlights at all, or you just. I think I, see, I saw the goal, I think, I can't remember now, on top of my head, but um, I can't comment because I can't remember. That's fair enough. One uh, of the final game of the Premier Division then was Sligo won, Shamrock Rovers won, uh, opened the showgrounds. That's a huge point for Sligo, I think, because uh, Rovers, and I think we'll get on to this when we're talking about um, the controversial red cards over the weekend. I mean, the Rovers probably should have won this game. But then you look at the statistics after the match and after the red cards, Sligo absolutely dominated the game. And, and I mean, last kick of the game, we get an equaliser. It's a big, big point for them. I mean, we've all predicted the struggle this season. So to get a, a point against the champions on the opening day, I know it's at home, the showgrounds is packed, but it, it is a big result for them, isn't it? Look, nearly like Rovers are holding on. Like, even from the highlights from the first half, even it's probably Sligo, isn't it? Not for a big period of the game until the ground back goal. Like, man, it's made about three or four saves beforehand. It was great finish the ground back, though, to be fair. But like, yeah, the red card decision was a bit, bit mad to be honest with you. Like, it probably is a red card. I think I don't know though. I don't know mm. the. It's just yeah, such a, it's, it's such a weird call. I think it's one of those where letter of the law is a red card, but common sense has to come into it. And you kind of say, I mean, look, neither player was was hurt. Neither player was looking for a red card. They've just had a bit of a scuffle. It's a bit of handbags. I mean, if, as as a referee myself, I'm telling them both, you're both grown men, just grow up and cop onto yourselves and giving them both the yellow card. But, I mean, he's to be fair to Damien McLaughlin, he's probably gotten that right in terms of letter of the law, it's a red card. He's raised his hand to an opposition player. He can't do that. He just can't do that. And, and especially in professional football. But it has kind of just ruined the game a bit because you're sending off someone He's going to get a three-game ban now as well. So I'm not a fan of that being a red card, but it's probably letters or laws is probably the right decision. Bill, what do you think? Yeah, I think it was a red card too, but letters or law. Um, what I will say is I think we're um people are bigging too much into the Sligo getting a draw, um, a draw the first game season. Because if you look at Sham Grovers, they're notoriously slow starters. I remember looking at last season and looking at the results now. They lost the President's Cup final on Peltis and Doc. They drew a Pats, they beat them off 2-1, and then they drew with Sligo when at, at, in Sligo. So I think Shamrock Rovers kind of started the season um, slow an awful lot of times, so I don't think it's a big, as big of a result that people are making out. Of course, Sligo will take the point because, again, I think they'll be in trouble this season, but um, I don't think um, Shamrock Rovers have much to worry about. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Just... Absolutely fair. Um, and just looking at the, the first division fixtures, we'll run through these quickly because, I mean, we do have a topic that we want to talk about and I know Jack has very strong feelings about that, but um, the first division fixtures, 3D nil, Bray 1, Kerry nil, Cove 2, first ever game in Mount Hawk Park, Wexford nil, Waterford 3, I was very surprised at that, I thought Wexford would have um, would have done something there, and then Harps 1, Galway 2, Ali Horgan coming back as assistant manager to to Hunter's former club and Longford won at Lone Three in the in the Midlands Derby. I refuse to call it the, the El Clasico because it's not. But the the at Lone red card, a lot of people have gone mad over mad over this. The, I mean I he scored. I didn't really see it. He's so basically what's happening is he's, he's on a yellow card, he scored to make it three one with I think there's about twenty five minutes left. Um and he's, he's, you know, what, what players used to do where they throw their jersey over their head and run off celebrating, kind of thing. Yeah. He's gotten a second booking for it, which is, it's the rule. Like, again, I bring it back to what I said about the the red card the other day. Yeah, it was, it was 64th minute. Uh, Franz Perrault scored to make it a 3 1 again in a local derby as well. I mean, you're going to be delighted about that, but. It's it's a red card. It's a second yellow because he's taken his jersey and, you know, you're not allowed to do that. And you haven't been allowed to do that since 2003 when they changed the rules. So it's a 20-year rule. Uh, everyone should know this by now. You can't take your jersey off. You can't lift it over your head. It's that simple. You know, so 
just people are saying, oh, well, the referee should use common sense. But again, it's letter of the law. If he doesn't send them off for that, then he gets into trouble. So he's the referee's gotten it right. And again, I've done so many times I've given out about referees on this podcast and on Twitter and things like that. But the referee's got that spot on. He he could have easily turned a blind eye and said, oh, well, I didn't see it. But he did. So he has to send them off. It's that simple. Yeah, I have to say that. Yeah. Know, it's a weird one. The top didn't really probably come off either, like, did it? Or did that matter? It doesn't have to. He's, put the, he's lifted the jersey over his head, which is a yellow card, and he was already on a yellow. Like, whatever, if he, was, if he wasn't on a yellow and he does it, fair enough, take your yellow card that way, just, just to enjoy your celebration. But if you're on a yellow card, I mean, that's just stupid. He scored twice in a derby, and now he's suspended for the next game. It's a weird yeah, one, right? stupid player, like, but it shouldn't yeah. be the case with a card. Like, if you look at the celebrations in other sports, like, the show ball that goes on in the NFL, like, it adds something to the spectacle in that sense. And Actually, it's something you could look at. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The, the, the IFAB rule is wrong. They shouldn't, it shouldn't be a yellow card to do that. But it's, again, there's a lot of rules in there that shouldn't be rules. And it, there's still rules. And, I mean, personally, I don't think the Lopez should have been sent off, but in the rules, he should have been. So it's, you know, to be fair to referees, and I don't say this often, they've gotten it right. It's, he has to go. I'm sure the referees will be delighted if you're endorsing this. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I've given them enough abuse down the years, so I mean, I have to, I have to be honest. I mean, I'll always be honest about it. I'm not going to start talking shit about it, but uh, we'll move on anyway to our main topic of the of discussion this week, which is foreign investors in Irish football. Um. I know, Jack, you have very strong feelings about this. This is obviously being discussed due to the news that the owners of Hull City are in talks to buy Dundalk. I don't know a lot about this, to be honest. I mean, Jack, you're going to have to lead the conversation on this, but it's, it is something that we've seen happen at Dundalk before. We've seen happen across the league, but obviously Preston taking over Cork and, um, just for, you know, the, the Athlone owners a few years ago that were just absolutely mental. It's it's something that's happened in the league before. Never really worked out overall, but uh, I know you're totally against it, Jack. And I think Bill, you're you're for it, maybe. Am I wrong in saying more that? More or less, yeah, yeah, more or less. Okay, yeah. So just, Jack, you, just give us a, a bit of a. Yeah, I'll give you Jack, a, just give. I'll give you a brief, um, brief um, rundown. So basically, the whole owner, um, what's his name now? If I can even get a face, um. Akin Elakati, I, I probably butchered that. <laughs> I don't know, he's a uh, owned cork. He's a representative of some, I think it's some Turkish broadcasting um, ch- channel or something. I don't, I'm not, not completely correct. But anyways, the point of the thing is, apparently the world going around via Jerry Malone, who wouldn't be the most reputable source, but then James Rogers has touched on it as well. So it's kind of more believable now in my eyes. Apparently... They are apparently the club was open to investors ever since they came in, according to the owners, um, a few months ago in a report done. But apparently, over the last 48 hours, they've been breaking news. So, I think the whole city are apparently buying 70% of the club, which I think personally is a bit mad considering the fighting us as fans had to do for the last for, for all of 2021 basically to get out peak six with the rundown of the club and everything. Um, James Rogers was on the Between the Stripes. I only watched it before actually just recording, and he like it's just I think <clears> it's only going to benefit Hull. It's not going to benefit us in the fight. I don't think unless they're planning to doing work to the ground, but the work to the ground's only be done for our players' benefits. If you get me, like they're only going to be sending players over just to benefit Hull in the long term future. And anyone half decent we have that can make a step over England will be going to Hull for next to nothing. I think. Like, I just don't know. I don't know what the point is. Like, it's probably more of a dig at that sports than the Hull owners, to be honest. Because what was the point of them coming in if they're put fucking nothing in the club already as such? They put up a scoreboard. That's all that's barely been seen around the club since they come in in November 2021. Like, and the fact that they're willing to sell it after 15 months, why would you take on in the first place if it was never going to be a long term project? Like, I can understand people wanting to sell the club. Obviously, that's the nature of the sport. You sell stuff, you move on. But, I don't know, it just seems very... I don't know, if you don't have the resources there, why did you bother in the first place? Um, 
that's basically it as such. It's more just rumours at the moment, but considering the rumours are coming out. And funnily enough, whenever the rumours did come out, we announced them signing of Johannes and Eli Coco on loan from HJK over from Finland. So like it's kind of like the club nearly put that up straight away and just kind of take a bit of attention off them as well, which I found funny enough. But like that, that's basically the rundown of it so far. Fair enough. I mean, it doesn't take they, 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 yeah, well, they haven't stopped us from talking about it with their signings and their, you know, their scheming. So look, it's it's a, it's a hairy situation, really. I mean, look, it's I, I understand the concerns, I understand the pros and the cons of it, but I mean, I I, I don't know how I feel about it really. It all really depends on the owner. And for me personally, if if it's an owner that's going to fuck the luck over, it'd be over the moon to see them come in. But it's again. <laughs> It's it's one it's one of them that I, I don't know enough about it to be able to give a strong opinion. But uh, Bill, what do you think? As the resident um financial expert on the podcast and the only one with an economics degree, I suppose I come at this from a very um dogmatic and part of capitalistic view, um which might may not be proper the masses, but my view. But look, I think um on on the whole multi club ownership, like it or not, it's the future of football. Um, I think you've seen it with um Cork City in the relationship they have at Preston with um Trevor Hemmings. Uh, you see down Fleetwood and Waterford now. Um, Celtic and Shamrock Rovers different level. Even if you look at Cross Channel, um, you look at Manchester City. They owned, sure they bought um Girona FC for uh Pep Guardiola's brother for appointing him. And they look like like the Manchester United and PSG could they be sister clubs now? So look, I think um whether we like it or not, um multi club ownership is going to happen a lot more, and I do see the benefits of it. Um, look, bad owners will always exist. Um, but that's going to happen regardless of who's in charge. Multi club ownership, as definition, isn't a bad idea as long as the owners have a good um approach or a good a good um intentions for both clubs. And look, I think uh, I touched on it as well. Um, on the offline, but offline blog, um, I did an interview with. But look, I think part of it, every club is a selling club. Whether like even if you look at the likes of Barcelona or Messi, um, every player has a price, and every player will have a price. So if the appropriate fees are fees fees are being received for for the not players, if they're deemed good enough, uh, possibly Jack's friend Ryan McCain, or Ryan O'Kane going over to Hull, um. But um, look, I think it could be a good thing for the knock as long as um, Paul City have the best interest in best the best interest in Paul City for the knock in their heads. And I think if they're doing if they're smart about it, they realize that they're going to have to invest in both clubs to get the full benefit of of owning both clubs. So look, I I'd, I'd be all for it. And again, you look at the prize money in the league. Um, you get two grand for coming bottom in the women's league and a hundred grand for winning the Premier League Premier Division. Clubs are going to have to look at alternative ways of financing themselves. And if it's true co ownership with other clubs, I'd be all in favour. To be honest, give me Chinese billions. I think it's more just weird than the fact that we were owned by foreign investors, Peak Six, um, not so long ago, and the fact that you can just see the straight away the club went from. Like they went to be fair to Peak Six for the first few years under Mike Tracy. I know, like maybe maybe till pre COVID they were they were doing grand, like there was no real complaints around the club. Maybe you saw firstly in the twenty twenty season a load of foreign lads coming in and signing, which is not necessarily a bad thing for the league in terms of exposure, but trying to promote them off to South Korea is one of the mentalist things that ever happened, I think, in the league. I don't think it's such enough like why would I like signing Hang Jong Woo? In order for Bill Hulsey and said to get our South Korean fans of the club, that doesn't matter. We're not big enough of a club to do that in the first place. We should just be focusing on trying to stay afloat and trying to do the right things right. It's just more the fact that noisy. I don't mind the investment side of it. It's the fact that they're coming in for a majority stake of the club that I don't like. It's the fact that they can easily just pull the plug again, and then the club could be left to square one, which. Look, to be fair, since that was when it hasn't all done in gloom, we have finished third in our first season or we have Europe this year, but it's just the fact, like, you saw how bad it went for us in that 2021 season. We probably would have went down if it wasn't for the for the fans coming back and all. Like, it's a mad situation around the club. And for them just to sell the club up again within two years of even buying the club, again, to foreign investors who could just 
not care about the club one bit. Is this a is this a tricky one? Like to look at as a fan. Yeah, lucky, but you have to judge the new owners on their own merits and not on the previous owners who had you. Because again, I understand you might be burned, but in the past, and you might have um, you might be have reservations, but like you have to judge them on the new um, the new owners and and their record with Hull City and. For all intents and purposes, they seem to be doing a good job. So, again, you have to look at it in that sense. I think the, the previous owners, P6, are actually irrelevant in, in this information because they're not in charge now. They won't be. So, it's, it's irrelevant information. It's nice. No, yeah, I yeah. do see that also. Yeah, I mean, so, sorry to cut in there. I just, I just think that um, I, I can see both sides of the argument. Like, obviously, you do have to take everyone on their own merit. Like, you can't just go judging a Turkish fella over what an American investor did. Um, but it, it is important to look at it from the fans' point of view that they have been burnt before. It's it's like trust issues really. It's like being in a relationship with someone yeah. and they and they and they cheating you and you kind of struggle to, to be able to go off and get in another relationship again. Like it's it's genuinely that's what it's like. You know, you're for a football club like Dundalk, which is a community based club with a decent budget it is like being a part of a family and it's like being burnt by someone who's come into the family it's very difficult to trust somebody else that's looking to come into that situation again so i, I do understand why jack jack is skeptical about it i mean i'm looking at the championship table here hull are currently mid-table they don't look like they're going to be going down they don't look like they're going to be getting your or getting the playoffs so it's it's one of those things where again you're looking at it they're level on points with preston it's literally the exact same situation. <laughs> so they were they were in a much uh, more They were they were re- they were recently um taken over by the Hull owners. I don't know at what point, but they were in an awful lot um, worse situation when the owners came in. They were towards the bottom. Yeah, of the absolutely. I mean, look, they're they're mid table, which is fine. But it's are 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 these owners going to come in and do the same job with them? Doc, the question. I mean, I I'll bring it to a Premier League point for people out there that don't watch the League of Ireland, it's like sacking Thomas Dougal and bringing in Graham Potter. It's, you know, Graham Potter isn't used to dealing with that kind of player. It's like sending Zidane to to manage fucking Barrow AFC. It's, it's a different situation. Will a Turkish owner be able to go in to Dundalk and be able to improve everything? I don't think that's I don't think it's possible coming into the League of Ireland as a foreign investor and doing that. We don't have the infrastructure in the League of Ireland to be able to... Like These guys are coming in here thinking, oh, well, I can build a new training ground and I can do this and I can do that. We don't have the land, for one, in Ireland to build a new state-of-the-art training ground. We don't have the facilities to get people in who are going to have the top, top level of sports science, especially considering... We don't have the fan bases in this country for that. So there's a lot of things that you have to look at. And I don't know if this person is, is going to be looking at Akun Ili Kali or whatever his name is. I don't, for me personally, you know, again, I could be totally wrong. And I, I'd love it if I was proven wrong. And I know not for, from a draw point of view where I'd like to see Dundalk fail. But from a league point of view, I'd like to see foreign investors come in and actually give a shit. Like you look at what hap- what's happening with Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, you look at what's going on, you know, with with Man United being bought out at the moment. You're you're hoping that they're going to be bought out by a club that, or by owners that really really want to improve the club, but that's not always the case. You bring in the, you know, the whole Bury situation a few years ago. You know, so they went out of business because the fella just wasn't there managing a, a company. It's it's that simple. That's there. These are the margins that we're looking at. It's a fine line between making a a, a sustainable operation and total failure. So uh, yeah, yeah. Look, look. I don't get, get don't get me wrong. I do believe there should be correct provisions and accountability checks for owners that ship in the league and for teams that are for people who are looking to go in and bring in clubs that their intentions are well and they're well intentioned and. They're not going to, you know, basically bankrupt the club or anything. But whether we um whether we can trust whether we do trust the FBI or not to do so is a different question. 
But again, I think that's down to the FAI and the, whatever the laws and government, I don't know what the laws and are on the different sort of thing, but the proper owner test should be in place in Ireland too. Regardless, that's something, absolutely something that hasn't been. Owners are intended. We've had, we've I'm had already judging off though, like, like the amount of times that people have come in and teams just went to shite, like, there's no hard to judge it. Like, you look at what happened with Athlone a few years ago where an owner came in and I mean, the, the FBI, yeah, but it was in the FBI, I, thought, I can't remember who it was that was in charge of the because they, they have a process in place where it's the, the owner has to meet with the FAI to be means tested and to be, you know, you know character tested. And I think someone in the FAI said, yeah, we met that this person and they were, they seemed really genuine. And then it, it came out a few months later that he was trying to make the trying to organize match fixing. And then the FAI said, oh, well, he's, he's never been the right person to, to lead the club forward forward and it's like well you, you literally said three months ago that he was so and again this is before Delaney was sacked this is before COVID and all this kind of stuff so it was, it's, a, it's a while ago so the new FAI could be very different but if the if it's done properly I'm all for it if it's not if it's done wrong then I can't see how it's how it's vi- a viable option so I just can't see how it benefits us though like I can see it benefiting Hull because the fact is like like we like we're gonna get one player from Hull. The only thing that I can see changing already is they're probably putting a new pitch in Oriel because they want the player playing on the best surfaces and all yeah. that. Like they probably yeah. will do minor things, but like you could throw two million into Oriel Park and you could barely see the changes. Like because the floodlights are fucked. Like yeah. I make sure. I think I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think the North failed um a floodlight floodlight thing floodlight check for the conference league three years ago against Newtown. And if the game had to be played at half five and even instead of quarter day in July, like yeah, yeah, it's mad how like how like the floodlights haven't been changed since the sixties. Like the ground, like if they come in all good intentions, fair enough. But I'm not too convinced on either because obviously he's buying it. Obviously, Hulk says his main project. He's not his main project is in the dock. I say, and I never will be because Hull is the money maker from Hull. Have the bigger stadium, the bigger fan base, bigger club. Like it's just the a weird potentially of Europe though. Yeah, but so like I know Tull will probably never have Europe. Yeah, the Lord could have Europe, but like we can have Europe before us though. Hull could have Europe before. Yeah, yeah Hull were Europe. The year the year we can uh, got relegated from the Premier League, they won the FA Cup for the Europe the following season, so it's not beyond the terms of after like Yeah, yeah, I know, but like in Grand Keeping, the Dog could be in Europe more the Dog could be in Europe quicker than than Hull be in Europe this year for the whole for next year. But like I just can't see um Akon, Eliad, or whatever he's Ikalahi, I'm probably butchering him. I'm locking him up here. He's a Turkish broadcaster, entrepreneur, international, yeah. he's a TV producer, businessman. He's probably like it's probably as close to a right man that you'll get from Turkey and all, like them sort of boys. Like I think yeah, he looks yeah. on Instagram. He's like thirteen and a half million followers and his company's a media company as well. It's it's very interesting to say the least. And apparently the Hull fans said that he's looking to build hotels and all in Hull and improve the infrastructure of the city itself. I saw that somewhere last night in Twitter. Like, that would be nice to see, though. If that's true, if that's true, if he is a nice man who genuinely wants the dog, who, who holds the dog close to him and won't just throw it to the side like a problem child, that'd be class. But it's just like, the club's willing to sell 70% of the club over to someone who could just drop it in a minute. And then you're back yeah. to square one again where you're save our club and the... Uh, the park comes out shaking outside Oriel and the way fans have to throw money in the game to keep the club afloat, which is just something no one wants to see for any club in the league, let alone my club as well. But yeah, it's it's a weird situation. I, I think I think it will happen though, because there has been a lot of word of it and James Rogers is starting to come out and he usually would be the most reliable source, probably for the dock and he was a much up at the league in general. He's basically based based on the dock. I could see it, yeah. I can see it being announced soon enough. Or it could be complete bollocks by the time this comes out. That's just the way football is. That's true, oh, yeah. I'm just going to throw it now. There's another topic that they'd want to be discussed. It's just um, the gambling sponsors of football, which makes it in the because I think we're the only team in the country now with a gambling sponsor. Uh, Rovers as well. No, Rovers got rid of um, some production thing. They oh, really? Of, yeah, they have a mascot. It's mascot teams where I think. I think I'm no, just okay. Yeah, they got rid of theirs. Yeah, mascot workwear is the sponsor they have. But all right. Um, personally, without sounding like a dickhead, I think if it's giving the club the most money, going with the gambling sponsor, they should take it. 
because of the way the league is at the moment with money, cash coming into it and all. I know that's probably the unpopular opinion, especially to Bulls fans and all. Like, but well, like, yeah. I mean, from my own point, I mean, I make it quick because you know I, I do have to head off soon. But um, I think it's it's one of those things where. I understand both sides. Again, it comes back to I understand both sides of the argument. It's it's obviously the moral implications behind it where it's money coming into the club, which could save someone's job. But at the same time, if you can't advertise it on a children's jersey, you shouldn't be able to advertise it on a on a football jersey. It's that simple. So for me personally, if it's something that's over eighteens, like I don't care if it's a betting sponsor, an alcohol sponsor, and I know obviously the, the oxymoron would draw it in there as well. Um, I, I'm totally against it. I don't care if it's Pornhub or or Bet365. You shouldn't be able to advertise it on a on a football jersey. It's if if you can't advertise the children and children can't partake in such an act, then it shouldn't be able to be advertised as a main sponsor for the club. Now I'm I'm all for having signs up around the ground because to be honest I've gone to, I go to grounds all over the world or all over Europe anyway and I don't look at the I don't really look at the advertising boards that much unless I know the company I'm not going to look at it so for me if it's the main sponsor of the club it shouldn't be something that kids can't be advertised. And I know Bill, you disagree with that. I know Jackie, you agree, but that's just my opinion. It's I I understand the money side. You know, clubs need money, hundred percent. But I I just can't get behind the idea. And again, I know the hypocrisy, hypocrisy behind a draw the fans saying this after we've just renamed our our ground after a, a bar. But I, I'm not happy about that either. It's just a weird one, like because no matter what you say, really, you're probably saying the right thing and the wrong thing, like. Financial yeah. point of view, draw the probably wait is it weavers, is it? I don't weavers, know. Weavers, yeah. Which is a bar a barren venue in, in Drada. Yeah, like it's probably getting you a bit of money in as well. I'd imagine that's successful enough bar in Drada. Like I'd imagine it does well enough to have Pete Bonson to go and must be earned a few quid. So obviously yeah, you yeah. something in return. Like it's the same like you know what Bolton and all, but they're not called the best bet eight 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 stadium for years, like yeah, uh, so Stoke was called the Bet365 Arena. Oh, Bet365, that's why I was thinking of Stoke, yeah. Yeah, so, no, I, I get the, obviously, the, the draw of it, and I get the, the hypocrisy of naming your ground after a bar and grill or a bar and venue when you've, you know, ridiculed another club up the road for having a betting sponsor, but I'm totally against both. I'm completely against it, like, Again, I'm all for having the sign there in the ground because not everyone's going to see it and not everyone really looks at those signs anyway. But for for it to be the main advertised sponsor of a club or a major advertised sponsor of a club, I just don't think it's morally right to have. That's that's just my opinion on it. Bill, any opinion? Plenty. But look, from a point of view of, and I'll come back to it again, while the money is is demanded in Irish football, um, you know, two grand for a coming bottom the women's league and a hundred grand only for a winning television. I don't think clubs are in a position, and I don't, yeah, clubs are not in a position to turn down good value sponsorship. And you can say there's ramifications and there's problems and stuff with gambling and alcohol, which there is with most things. To be honest, like you go back to sweets and things, but like. They also they also employ an awful lot of people and like I think it's it's, it's always you look at and people look at and gambling and betting sponsorship or alcohol and go, oh this is a horrible it destroys lives blah blah, blah. but it also it also an awful lot of employment and you know opportunities to people so I don't think it's that grey and black and white and I think gambling sponsorship and alcohol sponsorship is absolutely it's problematic as it we need to reinvent it and it doesn't have to be inherently bad. There's ways and means you can go about it that can be positive. You can have you can have workshops, you can have I don't know, help centre for people. Like there, there are factors and stuff that the clubs could insist on putting into the deal that workshops are done or different measures are put in place that might actually help people who suffer from these additions while also giving the club provided funds. So 
the way I feel is if if it's if something is illegal, it shouldn't be a sponsor. So we all have our own different morals and ethics systems. For example, I wouldn't necessarily um, be a fan of let's say cigarettes. More I don't smoke or drink, but cigarettes I wouldn't buy jars of cigarettes. Advertising are the only fans. But my logic is if something if something is legal in the country that, that is placed in, then it should be allowed as a sponsor. And I don't think people should look down on it because of that. Again, you could attach your own ethics system to sponsors all day long, but I don't think it's fair to do so. And look, you can still do alternative measures. You can have the sponsors, jerseys, which I actually fucking hate as a child, but that's besides the point. But I think while the money is added in league, you can't criticize teams for looking for the best financial things. And if a team comes together and says, no, it's not for us, flex the balls, up their own holes, that's besides the point. Want to go and say, look, it's not for us. I say, fair play to you. You do your own thing, but let everyone who wants to have gambling sponsorship or alcohol sponsorship do that too. To be fair, right? In I know the North have bet regals. I don't think I know anyone at bet regals in in the North. Exactly. Like I've never went near bet regals, and most the North, like the match there was sponsored by the North a few days ago. The kit sponsored by the North. Any YouTube video is brought to you by bet regal. And the Dock FC, the sponsorship board sponsored by Bet Regal and Stat Sports. Like, I never once was on my phone and was like, fuck, I'm going to download Bet Regal. Like, I never heard of it until it came to the Dock. Like, yeah, the, 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 the point that the reason why they're looking for that sponsorship is to get more customers, is, is the way that they'd be looking at it. So, like, what's the point in Bet Regal sponsoring Dundalk? They're not making anything off it. Like, so. You yeah. know, it's it's advertising, but if it's not working, they'll, they'll pull the plug. I mean, that's another another thing that that will be looked at. I think it's more for the global perception of things to say if a sponsoring a club and if the club's playing Europe, more so than the immediate local effects. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like to be fair, how many people from Manchester wear or have Team Viewer on their on their fucking laptops? Like, you know, so. But um, no, look, I mean, it's a really interesting debate and I'm sure it's something that we'll touch on again in the future, but I mean, we're just running out of time here. So looking at the the fixtures coming up this weekend, sorry, lads, I don't mean to rush everything, but um, first division we'll, we'll start off with Athlone, Harps, Bray, Kerry, Cove, Wexford, Galway, Treaty and Waterford, Longford. I think it, last week was all away wins. I don't think an away team is going to win this week, to be honest with you, because I've, I've gone for... Um, Three home wins and two draws. What what are we thinking, lads? Bill, yeah. what are your what are your predictions? Um, so so Athlone Harps. I have two one win for Athlone. Two one win. Yeah, Bill, what do you think? What are you saying? What's the final pictures? Athlone Harps. Athlone uh, Athlone Harps. Uh Athlone. No, Phil Harps two one. I've gone for a two all. Uh, Bray Kerry. Train the brave. 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 Two nil. Two nil. I went 3-1 Galway Jeez, we're actually agreeing on things here this is mad yeah, uh, and then the last first division fixture Waterford Longford Waterford 4-0 3 nil, Waterford I went 4-1 Jesus uh, <laughs> 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 alright so we go on to the Premier Division this is what people actually want to see this is our, our competition as well which Bill is currently winning which is fucking mental <laughs> Um. So we go. Bows Dundalk. One all. Dundalk. Two two one Dundalk. We went one nil Bows. Um. Drogs Rovers. Two nil Rovers. Three nil Shamrock Rovers. I went three one Rovers. Yeah. Uh, Derry Cork. Derry three nil. One all. One all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went 4-0 4-0 like, Derry 
trail there he is like they're still in for a hammer up there yeah um pat shells no no one nil pat i went two nil pat and the last game will be ucd sligo one all two one sligo well one nil sligo so we're fairly fairly even there we're fairly uh Close enough for most of them, so it's far from Derry Cork and uh, Bowsman Dock. I think we've all gone a goal either side. So, I mean, look, that's well, the like end of the I episode. Ma- yeah, go ahead. No, look, look, if I match you both for the rest of the season, if I just keep happy results, I win. So, here you go. What are we doing for the winner? Show you your top minute, like. Well, all right, come on. This is the first week. No, the question is, what do we get for the loser? Right, so well, we already have a bet off off the podcast between me and Dave. Is it Freddie Draper? If he gets more than nine goals, I'll I'll buy someone the League of Ireland cut. One of you will do a giveaway by the League of Ireland cut. They're under yeah. nine. Is it under nine if I'm buying it, or is it over nine? I think it's if it's no. I thought it was if he's over over twelve, he buys he buys it. If it's under six, I buy it. And if it's in between, neither of us do. But uh, I'm just having a look here. I'm gonna go with this. But uh. Yeah, I said if he scores more twelve or more legal put leagues and not league and all capital out. Um yeah. you said if he gets that in eight and then Bill's between eight and twelve. Yeah, so Bill, if if Freddie Draper scores between eight and twelve goals this season, you have to um you have to buy a League of Ireland jersey for someone. Again, yeah, no sense. Okay. <laughs> um anyway, what, look, how do I become bottom of this? How about whoever finishes bottom of this league has to do a giveaway on the on the Pelcast. Whoever wins it gets a, a tenner off the other two. Fair enough. Grand. Right. Uh, or we could do whoever loses it pays for a, a League of Ireland jersey of, of choice of the winner. Well, yeah. I, I don't really mind. We'll figure it out. Sure, look. There's a, there's a giveaway there for you, lads. Uh, yeah, look, thanks so much for listening and we'll, um, yeah, we'll see you again next week. I'm I'm away now this weekend actually, so I'm not even gonna to get to go to Rovers and to the draw the Rovers match. So watch the, watch them win now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks very much for listening, guys, and we'll, talk, we'll chat to you again next week. Bye. Bye.